Hi, everyone. Welcome to Better Together and As We podcast. For future reference, As We, as in ASWE, stands for the Alzheimer's Society of Windsor and Essex County. This podcast will feature engaging conversations with guests ranging from community leaders to care partners and persons living with dementia to raise awareness about this disease. You're listening to Better Together and As We Podcast, and this is our fifth episode. My name is Cindy Keel, and I'm joined today by Mike Kessler, and then we have his beautiful wife, Karen Kessler, right beside him. Mike is a client of ours here at the Alzheimer's Society. Mike was recently diagnosed with a dementia and he's here to talk with me about his life journey, his recent diagnosis and how he chooses to live his life moving forward. Thank you so much, Mike, for virtually being here with me today. Well, thanks for the invitation. I'm so happy to see you guys. Um, so what I wanna start off with is if you could tell us a little bit about your life. Okay, um, I'm 71 years old um, and I live, I was born and raised in Toronto uh, back in the early 1800s and uh, I moved to Windsor at around 1981 and at that time um, I went into the Brentwood Recovery Program, that was about 38 years ago and as a matter of fact that's where I met my lovely wife Karen. <laughs> Um, it was at a coffee shop and uh, neither of us were dating at the time and we didn't have one of those moments. We just sort of backed into it mm -hmm. uh, and we, we dated, uh, you know, we dated for about a, two years before I finally got around to popping the question. Um, we went through it in stages and we didn't really do much of anything without without help. We, we always had help from other people, especially from Father Paul Charbonneau, the director of the program. And when he saw the sparks fly, the first thing he knew that he had better put the brakes on this thing before we set the place on fire. Ooh. So he, he laid out line and verse as to how we were going to handle our relationship because there was a lot at stake. Um, she had two, uh, two young boys uh, she had a career. She's a teacher, mm -hmm. uh, which she was for 41 odd years. Um, and Karen has set the record for the most number of retirements ever. Uh, she retired as a teacher from uh, probably the perfect career. Uh, if you have someone with dementia, she was in special ed, working with kids with special needs. So I fit perfectly into that. Uh, she knew exactly what to do, um, all guns to bear on, on what I was going through. Uh, my career, well, you know, I've had a lot of careers in my life. Uh, because of my ADHD, I would bounce from one Michael to another Michael. Um, I started out, uh, uh, I went to a community college in audiovisual technology before there was audiovisual. And uh, this is back in the steam age. Uh, I had always been involved in technology and visual and sound. Uh, after that, uh, I worked in advertising for a while. And then I went to work as a manager of a restaurant for some reason. I was working there for seven years where I learned human resources. I learned asset management. I learned inventory control, all that sort of stuff, and, and really how to handle customer complaints. <laughs> 
you know, um, how to be with people, but it also taught me how to ask for help, how to listen to what people tell me to do. I wasn't the best at it, which is why I wound up in, in Brentwood because I'm a knucklehead. And uh, uh, their motto is really similar to the motto of, of the Alzheimer's Society. Yours is better together. Theirs is people need people. Mm. Uh, we need each other to, to get through life. We need people to, to help us uh, in our life. So anyway, then uh, let's get back to my career. Um, after, after that, after the restaurant, I went to work as a jewelry store manager because it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. I worked there for almost 10 years. And after that, I went through, went through Brentwood and I had to re-examine where my life was, where it was going to go, uh, you know, what's really important, uh, you know, uh, that I should. And the one thing that, that Brentwood taught me early on is to admit that I need help. Uh, and I think that's really important when it comes to getting a diagnosis like what I have, mm -hmm. is that I had to admit to myself before the diagnosis that something wasn't right with Michael. Um, and uh, after, after that re-examination, I went back to school at St. Clair College. I got uh, uh, educated in quality management because I'm in Windsor. And... Um, uh, sound as as a as a recording engineer, I had schooling in that. Um, it was either moved back to Toronto or or uh, or not have a job. So it seemed like the right thing to do. Uh, Windsor is sort of chocker block in in automotive, so quality seemed like the best thing. Uh, when I was working in a factory once, I noticed the people that did the least amount of work uh, seemed to be the ones in the office. So that's exactly where I wanted to be. <laughs> Uh, I found out differently that they worked harder than the guys on the floor, but I was committed and I did it. Uh, I worked my way up to a uh, uh, quality manager. I had uh, uh, suppliers that reported to me uh, because uh, the factory I worked in assembled parts. So they would buy parts off suppliers, bring them in and make other gadgets with them. And the parts from the suppliers had to be perfect each and every time. So when it came to that position, um, what I didn't know was that poop flows downhill. And if something went wrong, I was the first guy that they went to. And I had to in turn go and relay that wonderful message onto my suppliers. So I had to follow up and do all that stuff. On my way home one day, I was in a uh, car accident. I was rear-ended, it was a hit and run. Uh, it was a catastrophic accident to the car and me. I had a closed brain injury, uh, brain trauma, concussion. Uh, later on, I had a stroke, which was a mid-capsule infarct, which is where my, the, the center bit of your brain loses blood. And uh, that really started on my, on, my, uh, on my journey to actual recovery. Um, I had to learn, Karen helped uh, develop strategies for me to, to uh, get through the stroke. I had to listen to what the physiotherapist had to say. I had to listen to what uh, the vision therapist, I had to learn how to walk, how to talk, how to remember what day it was, because after the stroke, I didn't even know where I was. I knew I was in a hospital, but that was about it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a really, I have no memory at all of the accident. 
Um, but and I didn't know I knew my name was Mike, but that was about the size of it. So after the stroke, uh, I did have a lot of memory and cognitive issues, uh, a boatload of them. So I had to use a lot of strategies like sticky notes, uh, reminders and my phone going off, calendars, things like that to remember things. I, I had trouble with short-term memory. Uh, but the uh, one thing that I did was uh, I went to Brentwood uh, twice a week. And what it taught me was I had to pay attention to what other people were saying. I had to remember their names. I had to remember their wives' names, their kids' names. So it trained my brain to sort of rewire itself so that um, I could navigate the world. I could go to, I remember going to Walmart once and I completely forgot why I was there. I was there to get something. You know, and then I remembered shampoo. Now, I don't know about you, but I went into the aisle where the shampoo is. There's not just one shampoo that says Karen shampoo on it. There's thousands of them, all different colors. And I seem to remember she likes blue. So I went to all the blue shampoos and it's got to be one of these. But that feeling of lost, that feeling of hopelessness. What am I doing? I'm a stupid old man, you know, like. I need help. <laughs> so I finally came across one that looked vaguely familiar and it was the right one and I came home. And the first thing I did was share with Karen what I had gone through and it was scary. And, you know, so I, I really began to improve. It took two years to improve. And when I did, I felt really good, like I was out of the woods, but then things got worse. Mm -hmm. uh, the, um, so anyway, my home life, I don't want to get too far ahead here because you got a lot of other questions. So um, my home life is good. Um, the one thing that uh, I've noticed is this pandemic has sort of been a blessing. It, it's helped me get my head around everything. I'm not involved in too many social situations. There's not a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. I've, got, uh, I've got two sons and three grandchildren. Uh, one son lives in Ottawa. One of my grandchildren is up there. And I've got one son that lives not too far from here with uh, two of my grandkids. They come over once in a while. They do the lawn. They ask how it's going. They help out. Um, and Karen takes care of me very well. So I think that kind of ties the first one up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really, really, really well um, put together from, you know, um, the beginning stages of your your life and then up until now um were you when you were going through your um recovery process after the stroke when did you start noticing changes that uh, led you to the diagnosis of um your dementia diagnosis um you know it was a gradual thing um i what i didn't know is what i was doing mm -hmm. uh, for me the the progression downward was so gradual, it was just sort of the way it was. It, I didn't notice that I was struggling more to remember things. I didn't notice it. I just know, well, you know, I've got short-term memory problems, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I've got the sticky notes, I got the calendar, things are okay. It's Karen that noticed. Uh, she noticed like, she would say to me, you know, that's the third time you've asked me what day it is. And I go, really? You know, and then uh, I began to notice that, no, I didn't know what day it was. I'm not asking just for the sake of asking, or it's like a, 
you know, uh, I've got to ask. It's just I didn't know. Yeah. And that sort of struck me as a little odd. And, you know, I was talking to Karen about it that I don't feel right. You know, things just, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of anxiety about this. There was a lot of me telling Karen how I was feeling and her telling me how she was feeling. Uh, we shared with each other as to, as to what, um, as to what was going on, you know what I mean? And uh, it was Karen that started the, the whole process going. She talked to one of the counselors at, at Brentwood mm -hmm. and, and shared with her what I was going through and what she was going through. And see, she suggested that we see a neurologist. So from that time when I said, yeah, we should, uh, to the diagnosis was a year. A year. Yeah, it was... Uh, six months before we got the first interview with the neurologist. Um, he sent me out for a bunch of tests to find out, uh, to really find out what it isn't. It isn't this, it isn't that, it isn't sleep apnea, it isn't this, it isn't that over there. Uh, it must be this here. So um, six months after that, we had the final phone call with the neurologist and he said, Mike, uh, you have uh, from what I, he interviewed Karen more than me really um, and he said to me, Mike, you've got vascular dementia with mild Alzheimer's. And uh, that's when I knew. And, you know, the day after I got the diagnosis, I didn't feel any different than the day before. It's mm -hmm. just now I know what I'm up against and what I need to do. So from the beginning, you and Karen have just been um, open and honest with each other about how you've been feeling. Um, thoughts going through your mind? Um, what about your kids and your family? Um, they knew um, before the diagnosis that I had trouble in social situations. Uh, they knew that I couldn't play board games anymore. I couldn't play card games anymore. Uh, they knew that I had to go off uh, away from all the commotion. Uh, you know, maybe into the office and look at my phone or something like that. They knew that was part of how grandpa was, you know, they knew I had a stroke and they knew that, um, you know, I wasn't the same as other grandpas, you know, uh, that uh, Mike has this stroke and they were okay with that. Um, they were very cooperative in it. Um, they were used to helping out around the house. So when the diagnosis came, we told everybody right away. Mm -hmm. Anybody who meant something to us, we told them what I was going through. Had to be honest with them. But you're right about being honest with each other. I think that's absolutely key in this whole thing. Um, that I had to admit to her that I'm scared. I had to admit to her that this really is not good. You know, I had to admit to her that, you know what, I need this. I need that. I need this over here. I need you to not hover so much. <laughs> you know, I can tuck myself in. Thank you very much. You know, and then she um, uh, came in with, with suggestions. Most of them were really good uh, on how to navigate. Um, it was her idea for the mind diet, which is what we're on. And I've lost a whole bunch of weight. I went from 198 to 177 this morning. But what it does, along with the medicine that uh, the neurologist prescribed for the vascular dementia, mm -hmm. the MIND diet helps to slow the progression of Alzheimer's. And they, the numbers are really dramatic, like 30 to 40% reduction in the progression of Alzheimer's just by changing what you eat. 
Mm -hmm. And so we're doing that. And uh, Karen is a lot more religious about it than I am. Uh, I'm not quite as evangelical about uh, kale as she is, but you know, by the same token, I can see the evidence when I when I weigh myself and how I feel and how I'm able to do things like this. Mm -hmm. That's why when we had the that conversation about um, would you rather you know uh, get rid of chips or was it or or with salty food or sweet food or something like that? You guys are like we could do both. Um, now <laughs> yeah. I yeah now I know where it's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But they do say that um, it, it really matters what you're putting inside of your body. Um, and it does change the way that you um, go throughout your day. So that's, that's a really cool thing. It's called the mind diet, you said? Yeah, and it's, it's all over the internet. You can, um, you can Google mind diet. Mm -hmm. My warning is everything you know and love will be on the can't have it side. <laughs> you don't even know you've never heard of is on the can have it side, but it's not that bad. I'm, you know, you can have red meat once a week and you get fish and you get uh, lots of really good stuff. Eh? The only, the only problem is, is if you, uh, you can't go to drive throughs anymore and forget, he said, you can only go to McDonald's once a year. So my mind thought, you know, there's Harvey's, there's Arby's, there's McDonald's, there's KFC. That's one every week. So pff, I'm in, but I don't <laughs> cheat. <laughs> What's your favorite fast food place? Oh boy, it's a tie between KFC and uh, uh, Giro's. Nice, nice. Can I just say that it was actually the, um, uh, is it the information and education support? Coordinator, coordinator yep. that I had contacted originally. Um, oh. And uh, she was the one who put us onto the mind diet. The neurologist had said no fast food, no Sundays. He probably would say no um, uh, butter tarts. <laughs> no, but oh, so. <laughs> but. Um, the actually the mind diet would allow it once in a while. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that once in a while is going to happen tomorrow um, <laughs> at our minds in motion. <laughs> um, I'm so happy that's working for you guys. And I'm so happy that you have Karen doing it with you because mm -hmm. that support system is very important. Um, I want to get back to um, how you came, became involved with the Alzheimer's Society and how we met. So um, your education support coordinator, that is? Lori. Lori. Yeah. Um, she got us into contact and now you guys are in Minds and Motions. You're helping with the accreditation process for the Alzheimer's Society. How's all of that going for you guys? Uh, great. Um, I find it, it fits in really well. Um, it gives me uh, something to focus on. Now, you may think, well, you know, he's not that bad. Why is he doing all this stuff? You know what I mean? Well, it's precisely for that reason uh, that, no, I'm not doing that bad right now. And it's exactly how I want it to stay. Uh, the mind's in motion. There's a lot of it there that may seem like, well, you know, he doesn't really need to do that. But I do. I need to be involved now. 
the Minds in Motion was the one uh, of the galaxy of services that uh, the Alzheimer's Society provides that actually I could do. It seemed to fit. A lot of it was, was for people that were a lot worse off than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the day away program, which I don't need. No. Um, they have a few other things that I really don't need. And I'd be taking up a chair that someone else would need. Uh, but in the minds in motion, yeah, I like it. It, it, gives, it gives me grounding in who I am and what I'm going through. And it, it helps us to connect with other people that are going through the same thing. Uh, and it helps me to make connections with you and with the other people at the at the Alzheimer's Society when and if things do get worse. I've already made those connections. I don't have to reintroduce myself. I don't have to relearn everything. I know where you guys are. Uh, you know, as new programs come available, who knows? I may be able to tap into it. But um, But it also gives me a chance to give back for all the help that I've gotten uh, when we were... Uh, we were actually asked to be involved in the accreditation society after a first couple conversations with, with Lori. Mm -hmm. um, and we went, what? <laughs> Already? Holy cow. So um, there, it, 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 it's another opportunity to, to, to play a part um, in it. And, you know, there's people that are less fortunate than I am. I understand that. And they need help just as much as I do. And if I can, if I can help out, I'm, I'm willing to do it, you know, and that's what the accreditation committee helps us do. Uh, and uh, the mind in motion thing, it's, it's neat. And you got mm -hmm. great snack food. So what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys being a part of the accreditation process so much. Um, actually, my one of my boss, um, uh, she mentioned you know, contacting you guys to be a part of the Minds in Motion program because you guys are um, helping out so much with the accreditation process. And she's like, they're the perfect candidates. Um, you have to meet them. And I'm so happy that she mentioned you guys because honestly, um, just from the few times that we've met and, you know, doing the Minds in Motions together, it's been amazing. Uh, the first time that I met you, I actually was um, holding back tears because of just you're so well spoken you're so positive um everything you had to say um i feel like a lot of people need to hear it um especially going through an early diagnosis like you did um so that's why i want people to meet you guys because you guys are amazing people <laughs> that's so nice that's nice thank you you're welcome thank you thank you for being here um so um, moving on with that, um, your perspective and outlook on living life despite your diagnosis. Okay, you know, um, way back in the dark ages, I had heard and seen all of the negative press about Alzheimer's. I'd seen, um, you know, I, it's hate, hard to say this out loud, but I thought Alzheimer's was a death sentence. I thought, that's it, boom, I'm going to be in. Uh, I'm going to be in the lounge chair up on the fourth floor, you know, with a drool cup and not knowing where I am and where I'm going. And that was a place I didn't want to be uh, because this works kind of well. I didn't want to lose it, you know, but uh, there it is, you know, and oh, I wish I knew where I was going. Um, oh, yeah. So anyway, when I got the mm -hmm. When I got the diagnosis, by the time I got there, I knew I needed help. And um, 
my outlook, my perspective on life and my outlook, my perspective is, is life goes on. You know what I mean? Uh, lots of people have challenges. Lots of people have, um, have roads that they need to walk. And my road has the word hope written all over it. I know that there's that there's hope for me. I know that there's hope for everyone, regardless of how bad their diagnosis is. That there's help out there. Um, that uh, I have I have faith that that um, that I'll be okay. I know I'll be okay. You know what I mean? Uh, and and the 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 road doesn't look that bad for me. Uh, living life is is you get up in the morning, you do what you need to do, and then you have tea and then go to bed. But in the meantime, if I was to fight against this, if I was to say, I don't have it, I don't need your help, you know, uh, it's just going to make life difficult for me, harder than it would be if with just the diagnosis. You know, it's one thing to have Alzheimer's, it's another thing to fight it. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing to inflict pain on others doing that. But if I cooperate, if I'm a good patient, if I'm a cooperative patient, and I do as I'm told, then I'm going to be better and they're going to have an easier time uh, caring for me because uh, I found that for some reason people care, <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> We care a lot, Mike, especially that woman sitting right next to you. <laughs> I should have said no tears. I'm just going to write that down. <laughs> I, that's why I wore glasses, Mike, so you can't see it. <laughs> no, a lot, a lot of people care about you. Um, it's, it's, it's really amazing to have a group of people that care for you, that want to see you do well, um, that will do anything for you. Um, so just you realizing that on your own and wanting to make their job easier and their life easier, it just shows what kind of person you are and what kind of person you are. So... The, there was one thing that I that I did want to mention was that um, it was it's really it was up to us all the way along. Um, we had to self advocate before we even got any help for the stroke, and we had to be at that point we had to be open to help. Now, the Alzheimer's Society came up really just because we knew about it, mm -hmm. you know, but. Um, as soon as as soon as you get a cancer diagnosis, the first thing they do is they hook you up with the cancer society and they get you in there and they, you know, it's like a whole thing that happens. Eh? And it's the, the same with MS and the other uh, uh, disabilities um, or whatever they call it now. I don't even know if they call it disability anymore. Um, but you know what I mean with the Alzheimer's society, I think uh, outreach uh, would be would be really, really important that mm -hmm. people understand that it's not a death sentence. It, it is, you can get help, things can get better. Mm -hmm. um, you can live with it. Um, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to go through it in misery, that there are other people out there to help you. And that there is hope, you know, there's no cure yet, you know, they're, they're coming up with all kinds of new treatments all the time. But if you're not connected, if you're not part of your own recovery, you're not going to be there when the real treatments start happening. And they're, they're close. You know yeah. what I mean? So I don't know. That's just my shtick on that one. 
Yep, and that's exactly why we do things like this, so that uh, the community and organizations, um, people living in Windsor and Essex County can understand what the Alzheimer's Society does um, for the community. And um, there's such a negative stigma attached to Alzheimer's disease still. And um, we just want people to know that, you know, um, you can still live a good quality of life even with this disease. And mm -hmm. we're here to help you guys navigate through it. Um, the care partner, the, the person living with dementia, their family members. So honestly, just thank you guys so much for doing this and sharing your story because we want you know people to understand what this disease does um, and how it alters your life and what you can do moving forward, right? Um, what how, like what things have you done besides the mind diet to you know improve your quality of life like what things have you realized after this diagnosis um you know to do and and just little things throughout your day that you've changed uh we we go for a walk every day mm -hmm. uh, we make sure that we get out there and do exercise um where we were in the past very active um, we're always active we're always out doing stuff uh, we're going here, we're going there. I had a very busy job. Karen had a very busy job. So when we retired, we had this big hole. And of course, I don't know where I found time to work because we're so darn busy. Um, in uh, one thing I have learned is that uh, driving for me never was a challenge. I was trained to drive in Toronto where the first lesson was to send you out on the on the expressway. Mm -hmm. So I know expressways, I know how to drive. I had this arrogance about how well I drove and I scared the heck out of her <laughs> because I wouldn't wait, you know, but I found now, you know what? Um, driving for me now is a challenge. So I had to give that up. We went down to one car and we're fine now that way. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the, the, the plus side of that is I enjoy looking out the window at all the stuff going down the road and I get to navigate. I get to be the boss of the car. <laughs> I say, okay, turn right here, turn left there, watch it here, watch it there. You know, I can do all of those crazy things that I do when I'm driving. I get to do as the, as the navigator and Karen is very comfortable in the car and you know, it's got all kinds of bells and whistles on it to warn us about stuff. So uh, in that side, I, I drive once in a while when I want to go to Home Depot or something, which is the male Costco. And, uh, you know, I go in there and do stuff like that. Uh, uh, hobbies, I've gotten to my hobbies even more now than before. Uh, uh, I do 3D printing. Uh, I, I print doodads and gizmos on a, on a 3D printer. I'm into computers, which is, you can tell by the system we're using here. Yeah. Um, the advantage of the stroke and the, the dementia is it hasn't taken those skills away. Mm -hmm. I still have them, they're still in there. I still like to problem solve. I still like to, to find solutions to problems. And sometimes I print them out, sometimes I make them out of wood. Um, uh, I do a lot of watching birds. We build birdhouses and we have an aviary out back and we've got lots of stupid little birds eating us out of house and home. And uh, so our day-to-day -day life is really, it, it's not uh, a day that's focused on dementia or Alzheimer's. It's, a fo it's focused on being better between the two of us. Mm -hmm. uh, just dementia and Alzheimer's happens to come along for the ride. Uh, but, uh, you know, 
she's living with someone with dementia, that's for sure, and someone with Alzheimer's, that's for sure, but she's not letting it beat her. You know, she's not letting it beat me, that's for sure, you know, and uh, we're mindful of, of, of the reality as we go through the day. But day to day with, with, uh, with the pandemic has actually been pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's taken away a lot of the other pressures, and you know, that we can't go in a restaurant, it's pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah, also with... Uh, with um, with my recovery on the alcoholism side, I'm very busy with that. We have Zoom meetings uh, twice a week. I facilitate mm -hmm. one of them. I do like what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, and also I facilitate one-on-ones. Um, -on uh, I sit down and have a half hour chat with someone who's newly in recovery. Mm -hmm. And being that I've got a few years under my belt, I'm able to offer him uh, of course, hope and, and guidance in, in where he's going in his recovery. Um, I sponsor four guys and I have a sponsor and I'm doing woodwork and 3D printing and la 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 and watch yeah. TV and oh, the sound at the church. I volunteer at the church. I do the soundboard for the choir. Mm -hmm. um, the one singer says that I make her sound really good and I said, no, I just make it sound louder. <laughs> <laughs> she was already good. I had a lot to work with. So um, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I do a few things. Yeah, yeah. You're still keeping yourself busy. Routines help a lot, right? Yes. Uh, and, routines are important. And one thing I did want to mention before we move forward too is that um, the mind diet that you guys are doing, um, it works for you guys, but for our listeners, um, we want you guys to, you know, do your due diligence, self-advocate for yourselves, do your research before you decide to do um, the mind diet, just because, um, you know, everybody going through uh, this diagnosis is different and um, we just want to make that clear to our listeners that, you know, what works for Mike and Karen might not necessarily work for you. Um, just exactly. Self-advocate and, and do your research before doing anything. Yeah, I wanted to mention that that my, my journey is unique. Yes. Um, what I've noticed with Alzheimer's is there's many, as many diagnoses as there are people with it. Uh, their journey may be entirely different than mine. They may not be able to do the hobbies that I can do. They may not have approached it the same way I do. But the end result is the same. You know, yeah. that you have to be involved. And you said and that exactly on. Yeah, you're exactly right with the mind diet. You just Google it and suddenly work up a recipe. It may not work for that person. Like mm -hmm. there's some foods that I'm allergic to, some foods that I react to, uh, some foods that I like, and some foods that I hate. So you have to you really have to ask around and I'm, I'm sure there's nutritionists and other things that are available to people mm -hmm. talk to your doctor well you know talk to you guys yeah <laughs> perfect so the name of our podcast is better together from your perspective what does that mean to you um it's the key uh, because we are uh i believe that um that uh better together uh you know with with each other if we can um, but we're better together as, as a group, you know, we're stronger together. Uh, you guys know what you're doing. You guys know what you're talking about. You've, uh, 
nurtured several clients through this, you know, and you've had success. And, uh, you know, if, if we all sort of tap into that and be a part of it, then we all benefit. So better together is, is the key. It's, it's really important. It's not that I don't have to feel alone anymore. I don't have to feel like, oh man, now I just go to my, my lounge chair and that's it, game over. No, you got help, you got a hand up. Perfect, thank you, Mike. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to do this podcast with me. I would love for us to finish this podcast with some fire rapid questions. <laughs> These five questions are all random and will allow our audience to get to know a little more about you. Um, can you answer these questions with one word or a sentence? And there are no wrong answers, okay? Okay. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. All right. So question number one, if you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with the extra time? Build more stuff. And what would you build first? What would I build first? I would build... I keep threatening to make a spice rack. She doesn't want one, but that's what I would do. It's not a need, eh, Karen? <laughs> no. Question number two, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Cheesies. Cheesies. Number three, what would your perfect Sunday look like? <laughs> <laughs> Sunday is our date day. So yeah, um, it, it would be um, moose tracks with hot fudge ice, hot fudge sun, hot fudge sauce, whipped cream, nuts, and cherry. Perfect chair, perfect Sunday. Woo! Oh, it's, you mean the day? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, having date day and sort of lounging around the house, um, going out shopping is perfect. And then going out for Iraqi food. We like Iraqi food. Ooh, and then you can have the Sunday with, with the, the fudge and all that on top. Yeah, then it would be the perfect Sunday Sunday. Where do you guys get um, Iraqi food from? Windsor Palace. Nice. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. <laughs> Question number four. What could you give a 40-minute presentation on with absolutely no preparation? This and alcoholism. Perfect. And uh, computer, uh, 3D printing, canoeing, for sure, we do that. Yeah. Um, Algonquin. Um, <laughs> and where to find a washroom during a pandemic. That is a good one because it was a At hard At my thing. age, you need to know where to go. Yes, that's a good one. What's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? Ask, listen, and do as you're told. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mike. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. I hope our listeners have gained a better, more clear understanding about how it might be to live well with this disease. I hope that our listeners can take the words you have spoken so honestly and beautifully and remember to be kind and patient when coming into contact with someone living with Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. Hey listeners, my call to action for all of you, how can you help? Educate yourself and encourage others to do the same. Refer your circle of friends and family to our services, support our events and fundraising campaigns and become a dementia friendly community. Let's keep talking about dementia.
Listen to new episodes on the last Friday of every month on our YouTube channel, Alzheimer Windsor. Don't forget to subscribe, help for today, hope for tomorrow. And remember, we are better together. Thank you so much, Mike and Karen. Well, th thanks for the opportunity. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs>